The first lesson, which is also the basis for the sermon, is from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3, and verses 10 and 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of a faint spirit, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord to display his beauty. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will celebrate because of my God. For he has clothed me in garments of salvation. With a robe of righteousness, he covered me. Like a bridegroom who wears a beautiful headdress like a priest, and like a bride who adorns herself with her jewelry. For as the earth produces its growth, and as a garden causes what has been sown to sprout up, so God the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up in the presence of all the nations. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Did you see the tremendous love that the triune God has for you? Hopefully you did, but it would really be a shame if you missed it. It's, it's all right there in the very first verse of Isaiah chapter 61, where it says, the Spirit, that is, the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit anointed God's servant, that's his son, the Messiah, the second person of the Trinity, to come into the world and carry out the work that the Lord, the first person of the Trinity, gave him to do. So from eternity, God the Holy Spirit anoints, that is, sets someone apart for work that is special and important. The Spirit anoints God's servant, the Son, to come into the world and carry out God's plan of salvation. Now the Bible says this happened from all eternity. And then it happened for the whole world to see in the Jordan River when Jesus was baptized at the beginning of his ministry. There you have the Son, the second person of the Trinity, who is setting out on this work to save us. The Father speaks from above and says, This is my Son who I sent. And the Holy Spirit comes down as a dove to anoint Jesus. So your salvation is the loving work of your triune God. The Spirit anointed Jesus to come and carry out the Father's plan, and then Jesus came, and he took the work of your salvation from there. Isaiah prophesied that he would come down into this world to preach good news to the poor. Your Savior came down into this world, and he walked through the streets, and he walked into synagogues, and he preached good news to poor souls that needed to hear it. And Jesus is still preaching good news to poor souls like yours and mine. We read his words on the pages of scripture. And did you know that Jesus is still preaching through people like you and me? Whenever one of Jesus' followers speaks his good news truthfully, Jesus still preaches through you and me. And what is this good news that Jesus came down to proclaim, that he is still proclaiming to us? That he came down to release those who are bound. 
Jesus came down to a world trapped in sin, a world condemned to spend eternity in the slavery of hell, and Jesus came to set us free from those evil slave masters with his holy life and with his death on the cross. And so Jesus also came down to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus proclaimed the Lord's favor many times and in many different ways, and he was very specific about where to find this divine favor in himself, in Jesus Christ, because he was the Savior, anointed by the Spirit and sent by the Father to bring the day of vengeance for our God. Now, could this be a brief pause in this beautiful love letter from the triune God to you and me and all people, this, this sudden talk of vengeance? Well, no, not really, not at all, because the vengeance that Jesus came down to bring is not against us who trust in him. It's vengeance. It's revenge against our enemies. It's revenge against our sin and the devil and our grave. Those were the enemies that nabbed us when our first ancestor, Adam, fell into sin. And those are the enemies that still torment us because we still sin and bring their curse on ourselves. But immediately after Adam fell into sin, the Lord was there in the garden to promise revenge, that he was going to send a Savior to take vengeance on these enemies. And Jesus came and carried that vengeance out. He took revenge on sin and Satan and death with his death on the cross and with his resurrection. So then for us, what's the result of this freedom from our captors, this revenge that has been taken on our enemies? It gets better. It says your Savior came down to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of a faint spirit. What is it that makes people mourn the most? What is it that covers our thoughts in ashes more than anything else? It saps our, our spiritual strength the fastest. There are many things that trouble us, but death does it more than anything else. But the Lord's servant, Jesus Christ, came down to give solemn joy and comfort to us, even in times and thoughts of death. Because after Jesus freed us from our bondage and took revenge on our enemies with his holy life, with his death on the cross, Jesus came back to life again, and so will everyone who dies with faith in him. So Jesus comes down to give his people a quiet joy and comfort even in the middle of death, because for his people he turns death into the doorway to eternal life. Jesus came down to do all of this, planned and sent by God the Father to do all of it, anointed by the Holy Spirit to do all of it, and to do all of it for us. What amazing love the triune God has for us. And it gets even better because the same Holy Spirit who anointed Jesus to do all of this work, he also plants us in this love of God. Isaiah says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. We should note that the Holy Spirit does not plant us as flimsy little brush that can be easily ripped out of the ground, and he doesn't send us rolling around like tumbleweed, but he plants us firmly 
as oaks of righteousness. He plants us firmly in the Christian faith in the waters of baptism. And then the Holy Spirit keeps using this good news of God's love to grow us stronger and stronger. So the Holy Spirit, he comes down to us too in water and word to, to plant us in God's love and to make us trees that produce beautiful things that God desires. And oak trees, they are beautiful, aren't they? God brings you to faith in his son. He makes you beautiful in his own eyes. And he also makes us beautiful in the eyes of each other. When we look at our fellow Christians, we shouldn't see nothing. We shouldn't see trouble. We shouldn't see potential annoyance. But we should see a beautiful soul, an oak of righteousness that God has planted in his love. Do you ever notice, do you ever wonder, you know, the Holy Spirit is the author of all scripture. Why does he love so much to compare the Lord's people to plants? Have you ever noticed that? It doesn't seem all that flattering at first, does it? To be a plant. Plants don't have a brain. They don't have emotions. They don't have a will. I have to be a plant. But he does it all the time. And look, he does it again at the end of this chapter. For as the earth produces its growth, and as a garden causes what has been sown to sprout up, so God the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up in the presence of all people. See, there it is again. And there is the answer to why the Holy Spirit makes this comparison so often. It's because plants don't plant themselves. And plants don't cause themselves to grow into something beautiful that produces wonderful fruit. The Holy Spirit plants us in God's love. And he gives us the energy, just the way a plant draws energy from the soil beneath it, from the water and the sunshine above. The Holy Spirit gives us the energy in God's love to grow big and strong and to produce the good fruit that God wants to see in our lives, which Isaiah says is righteousness and praise. God has made you righteous in his son Jesus. And when he brought you to faith, he recreated you to be someone who devotes your entire life to praising God with everything you do and everything you say. Our goal as Christians is to be what God has made us to be. Live in the righteousness that God has given you. Use your life to praise him with all of your actions and with your words. Especially at this time of year, to think about family and friends and co-workers that you can speak to about this amazing love of our triune God, whether they already believe it or they do not yet. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will celebrate because of my God. God's goodness to us also grows us into people who are joyful and celebratory. And we have the very best thing in the universe to fill our hearts with joy and to fill our souls with celebration. We have God's love that has come down to us in Jesus Christ. So we send lives of righteousness and praise up to him and we do it in joy and we do it in celebration, especially at this time of year when the celebration of our Savior's birth approaches God's love is coming down to us. We send lives of righteousness and praise up to him, and we do it in joy and in celebration. He has clothed me in garments of salvation. With a robe of righteousness, he has covered me like a bridegroom who wears a beautiful headdress like a priest and like a bride who adorns herself with jewelry. Jesus is coming down to clothe you in righteousness, to make you beautiful to your loving God.
Send a whole life of joyful praise up to him. Amen.